Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, everyone. This is Hugh Ballou and one of my dearest friends, um, if not the dearest friend in the world, Dr. David Gruder, organizational developmental psychologist. And David and I have known each other for, oh, number of years, at least a decade plus. And so uh, David and I have done some work together in organizations um, on in the culture, leadership, developing the culture of leadership so that people function in a different way. And David is able to experience the culture in a different way because he's had this training in Jungian psychology. So David, this goes back to the 70s. Tell us a little bit about your training in Jungian psychology and how it relates to shadow. Sure. Well, my doctorate is in both clinical and organizational development psychology. And when I was in grad school starting in the mid-1970s, I was trained in a number of different forms of psychology approaches to psychotherapy, one of which is Jungian psychology. Uh, Jung was a, originally a star student and intended to be the crown prince of, of uh, Sigmund Freud, uh, but Jung had a much more spiritual orientation than Freud did, and that and a number of other things resulted in the two of them splitting from each other and Jung going on to develop his own approach to psychotherapy. And a key part, one of the key parts of his approach has to do with recognizing and dealing with shadow inside us. And I'll, I'll go into what shadow is as we unfold the presentation. Absolutely. And somebody just sent me an email. They weren't able to click in. Their Zoom's not working, but you will have an opportunity to watch the replay. So David, you're also what, uh, what they call an elder in the Mankind Project. Tell us a little bit about that and the, the work that you do there around shadow. Sure. Well, the Mankind Project is an international nonprofit. It's been around for, oh my gosh, 30 odd years. And uh, it the organization's mission, if I paraphrase it, is essentially to create a safer world by enabling men to mentor each other in aligning with and removing whatever blocks stand between them and their mission in the world. So a big part of the work in the Mankind Project is facing shadow, facing the parts of us that undermine our ability to be authentic, collaborative, and positively impactful. And so I am in the Mankind Project, what's called a certified ritual elder. Our role as ritual elders is that we essentially hold a spiritual space inside the Mankind Project, and we also mentor the leaders in the Mankind Project. And one of my projects has been to develop and be a senior trainer for a comprehensive training program in becoming a shadow watcher in watching for shadow in groups uh, inside the Mankind Project and, uh, and intervening in helpful ways when shadow surfaces in group dynamics. Ah, so 70s, 80s, 90s, 
2000, 2010, 2020. You've been at this a while. And uh, I've learned so much from David, and I'm just scratching the surface. So um, I'm going to be quiet and turn it over to David Gruder, who will now share his screen and teach us some important things. If you have questions, please put us put them in the chat, and then I will ask them at the appropriate time. Marvelous. Thank you, Hugh. And of course, it's a pleasure to be with you as always. And this mini workshop is called Shadow Spotting Basics. Uh, it's an introduction to recognizing and intervening with group dynamics that undermine collaboration and productivity and purpose fulfillment and things along those lines. And I want to kind of forewarn you that you're going to be drinking from a fire hose because I am providing a compressed overview of what shadow is, how to spot it, and how to stop it in a very short period of time. So what I'm going to invite you to do is lean back and just absorb what you can, knowing that at the end, you can download, if you haven't already downloaded, a uh, worksheet, an action guide that will give you the majority of the material, in, in fact, all of the important information in this particular presentation. So let me start with what shadow is. So shadow is things about ourselves, our interactions, or systems that we're part of that we deny, or we tolerate, or we even justify despite their negative impacts. That's a concise definition of what shadow is. And what is shadow spotting? It's pointing out shadow in ways that help restore love, collaboration, and purpose effectiveness. There are six principles that are important to understand about doing this kind of work with spotting and stopping shadowy group dynamics. And the first of those six principles is that it's human for there to be things we don't know that we don't know. So in other words, it's important for us to be humble. There are things we don't know we don't know. And that is part of being human. No shame, no blame, no fault, no shame. Not, it, it's, it's human. And it's important to stay connected with that, especially when we are in a shadow spotting kind of role. Uh, because if we don't remember that, it, that it's human for us to have things we don't know that we don't know, then we run the risk of becoming judgmental. And if we become judgmental as shadow spotters, we can't be effective. The second principle of the six principles is that it's human for us to sometimes have gaps between our good intentions and our words and actions. So again, that's important for shadow spotters to hold in their awareness, because if we forget that, that it's human for us to have these gaps, then again, we'll get judgmental and thereby become ineffective as shadow spotters. The third is that it's human for us to have blind spot about our positive impacts and our unintended negative impacts. The fourth principle is that psychologically mature adults have consistently high willingness to spot and fill our gaps and consistently low shame that we have gaps to fill. Why low shame? Because it's human to have gaps. 
So that's why it's important to be able to recognize our gaps without shame. If we develop shame, it's going to be very much harder to face and deal with those gaps in helpful ways. The fifth principle is that thriving company cultures and nonprofit cultures and government agencies and cause-based organizations, et cetera, et cetera, and the individuals within them hold these awarenesses compassionately and address these gaps effectively within themselves, between them and others, and among them as a group. Um, and then the sixth of the six foundational principles are that thriving company cultures, or again, nonprofits, religious organizations, community-based organizations, government agency does, agencies, doesn't matter what group we're talking about, don't retain people with insufficient commitment and capacity to consistently seek out, spot, and fill their individual gaps, their co-created gaps with others, and their organization's collective gaps or blind spots. Now, I realize that there are some situations out there where it's hard to get rid of people, and that's unfortunate because if, if we have toxic people in an organization with no way to get rid of them, they will pull down the organization's effectiveness. Um, so that those are the six principles. And before I move on to the three steps in, in shadow spotting, Hugh, is there anything that you want to add or ask at this point? I'm just grooving on it. Thank you, David. This uh, I want to hear more. Okay. So there are three steps to shadow spotting, which I'm going to start off by just giving you the summaries of, and then we'll deep dive into the details. So the first step is to spot the symptoms of shadow, the symptoms that indicate that, that the group dynamic has gotten off track. Um, so spotting the symptoms is becoming more able to recognize when shadow is creating damage in a group dynamic. The second step is to strategize what you're going to do about it once you spot that there is shadow afoot. And that has to do with deciding whether and when to speak up and with whom. And again, remember, I'm just giving you the overview of these steps. I'll unpack them starting in a few minutes. And the third of the three steps is intervene. And that's about implementing the most useful intensity level in speaking up about shadow in order to initiate the restoration of group well-being. So that's an overview of the three steps that we're going to go into. So step one, spot the shadow symptoms. And there are basically three variations on shadow that a shadow spotter needs to be aware of. There is individual shadow. There's stuff about me that I am denying or, or repressing or ignoring or unjustifiably justifying despite unintended negative impacts. So there's internal shadow, individual shadow. There's co-created shadow, which is shadow that you and I create together or a group creates together. And then there's systemic shadow, which is shadow in an organization and how an organization functions that needs to be addressed. 
And so the goal of step one, which is spotting shadow symptoms, is as a, as a shadow spotter is to uplevel your ability to accurately spot when shadow is undermining group dynamics. And so what you're going to see as I unpack five different varieties of shadow is that these five varieties of shadow I'm going to now unpack with you all have individual symptoms, internal, personal symptoms, co-created symptoms, symptoms of what that looks like, what that form of shadow looks like in relationships in a group dynamic, and systemic symptoms, which is the symptoms that an organization is suffering from organizational shadow that needs to be addressed. So the first variety of shadow that a shadow spotter knows how to spot is something called emotional charges. So what an emotional charge is, is when I notice something that's off kilter or not going right or that I don't like, I, I lose track of my capacity to self-manage my emotional reaction to that and my emotions become the driver of the bus. So there's a big difference between noticing that something's wrong and speaking up about it versus noticing that something is wrong and getting so angry, so furious, so scared, so shamed, so off kilter, so fearful that I, when I try to speak up, it doesn't go well. So that's what an emotional charge is. It's intensity. It's a level of emotional intensity that reduces connection instead of building connection. So individual symptoms of an emotional charge, things like blaming, when you hear people blaming each other or shaming each other or somebody shaming themselves or being controlling or playing the victim or justifying harmful words or actions that we're taking, uh, or, or not taking responsibility for broken agreements that someone has or for unintended negative impact from that broken agreements. Those are all, um, those are all examples of, uh, of emotional charges on an individual level. Emotional charges on a co-created level is where the accusations go back and forth like a ping pong tournament. Who's going to, who's going to accuse whom more effectively while, while they themselves are playing the face of innocence? They're, they're saying, well, what you did is worse than what I did, or what you did is bad, and I did nothing, and if only you cleaned up your act, everything would be fine, that, that kind of thing. It's where one person explodes and the other person implodes. They, they Implosion is where you go through an intense and emotional reaction inside yourself that you might or might not speak up about or withdraws. And so that those are the co-created symptoms of strong emotional charges that reduce connection. And then at the systems level, at the organizational level, the symptoms are where you've got an organization where there's no agreed upon mechanism to spot and resolve emotional charges that reduce connection, or an agreed upon method um, exists, but it's not being used consistently with everyone. So that's the individual co-created and systemic symptoms of emotional charges. Hugh, does that make sense? Can I keep going? Hugh, you're muted. 
oops, I clicked it, but it didn't work. I, I it um it makes great sense. And I'm thinking of, oh my word, I wish I'd known this years ago. But I'm get out of my way. I'm ready to deal with it right now. Now, and you know, this is all magnified with the the, the anxiety in our current culture. So this is so helpful. Yes, good. Good. And I just want to alert you in case you haven't seen it to a note from an attendee. And you'll deal with that offline, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm seeing a note saying, this is wonderful, so simplified, I love it. Okay, so that's the first variety of shadow that we want to be spotting as shadow spotters. The second variety is polarization, which is taking sides in ways that increase defensiveness. So it's, it's fine that we have different perspectives on things. And in fact, in organizations, it's really useful that we have different perspectives because all of us see slices of a larger picture. Um, however, if we don't have the capacity to synergize the slices that we see, and instead we insist that what each one of us is seeing is the whole picture rather than a slice of a larger picture, that's where, uh, where instead of having multiple perspectives, we get polarized and we end up taking sides in ways that increase defensiveness and therefore decrease collaboration. So individual symptoms of polarization, individuals taking adamant positions or insisting on a specific solution that only addresses what their deep concerns and high intentions are, uh, but really what none of the other deep concerns and high intentions in other people. And another individual symptom of polarization is when someone is closed-minded about other perspectives. Co-created shadow symptoms of polarizations polarization is where together we stay stuck in arguing over positions or solutions instead of on understanding each other's deep concerns and high intentions that are underneath everyone's positions or solutions, that are at the heart of what give rise to the positions we take or the solutions we advocate. And so if we don't know how to go underneath those surface positions and advocated solutions to identify and, and disclose our deepest concerns and highest intentions that lead to those positions and, and solutions, there is, no, there is no collaboration that's possible in creating integrative solutions. So that, those are co-created symptoms of polarization. And systemic symptoms of polarization is where in an organization there is no agreed upon or there's an agreed upon but underused mechanism to identify concerns and intentions and develop an integrated solution based on combining those on everyone's parts. I love it. There's a comment from something that you said earlier mm -hmm. from colleague David, emotional charges. I recognize these as so often happens when a narcissist narcissist <laughs> runs an organization and and it and it's his way or no way i've been on both sides which i guess is human behavior but can ultimately erode confidence in both the individual and the organization as a whole yes spot on david absolutely so and of course narcissism 
is an individual shadow. And then when we get into dances, uh, shadow dances with narcissists, then it becomes co-created shadow. And I'm actually going to get into that in, I think, the next of the five key <clears throat> forms of shadow that I'm describing in this mini training. So the third is triangulation. And triangulation, I'll, I'll explain projection magnet dynamic in a moment. <clears throat> What triangulation is, is I have a problem with Hugh. And instead of going directly to Hugh to deal with that problem, I go to someone else, not to consult with them, not to have them hopefully help me get clear on what it is that I have to say to Hugh and how I might say that in ways that promote collaboration or resolve a conflict or whatever. But instead of a consultation, which is not triangulation. I go to a third person to manipulate that person to do my dirty work for me and talk to Hugh on my behalf. Okay, that's what triangulation is. And there's a very, very common form of triangulation called the projection magnet dynamic. And I'm going to unpack that as I unpack the individual co-created and systemic symptoms of triangulation. So bear with me and uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll give you a definition at the end of the this slide about projection magnet dynamic, or maybe partway through the slide. Anyway, individual symptoms of triangulation are what I just described, trying to get someone else to do for us what's ours to do, or doing for someone else what's theirs to do, uh, feeling trapped in the role of an attacker, or the recipient of attack, or the bystander. So that role, the attacker, the recipient of an attack, or bystander, those are the three roles that, as you'll see in a moment, are the three roles that are involved in a projection magnet dynamic. And again, bear with me, I'll, I'll unpack that term as we go. So what you see at the bottom of the slide is the projection magnet dynamic roles. You've got attackers. You have people that are throwing arrows at one or more other people. You have the people who are having the arrows thrown at them. They're the targets. And then you have the colluders, which is everyone else who's witnessing the arrow throwing and the arrow receiving and there are different versions of colluders in a projection magnet dynamic. So projection, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the, the types of colluders or the variations on colluders that exist are you have the rescuers or the heroes that try to jump in without anyone's agreement that they're gonna jump in and they're gonna save the day. They're gonna be the saviors, but nobody wants them to do that yet. So they end up getting arrows thrown at them. You have the pot stirrers, the people that are invested in conflict occurring in a group. You have the complainers. These, these are the ones who are constantly complaining about what's wrong, but they really aren't involved in doing something positive about what's wrong. You have the gossips, the people who gather around the proverbial water cooler and gossip to each other about the arrow throwers and the arrow receivers, but never deal with those people directly. And you have the ostriches, the, the, the kinds of colluders that collude with the dynamic by 
by sticking their head in the sand and hoping the craziness will pass before they <laughs> before they completely give up. And then you have the quitters who say, that's it. I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this, where they do that prematurely rather than because they've really tried to turn the shadow dynamic around and nobody seems interested in having that happen. <clears throat> okay, so you've got these three roles, the attackers, the targets of the attack, and then these different versions of colluders. That's a projection magnet dynamic where there's someone who has this mark on their forehead that says, if you want someone to bully, if you want someone to attack, I'm your person. And, uh, or, or someone who just makes an innocent mistake and, and everyone comes down on them. Uh, and, uh, and so the people who come down on that person that has the X on their forehead saying, I'm the one to attack, uh, the, the ones who attack them are projecting their own stuff, their own inability to deal with conflict or to deal with problems effectively onto the person they're attacking, basically saying to the person they're attacking, you're the problem. And if only you cleaned up your act, everything would be fine because they don't understand that a projection magnet dynamic involves all three parts, all three roles, the attackers, the targets, and the colluders. So in co-created symptoms, what a shadow spotter is looking for is individuals or groups tolerating deterioration into finger pointers. Those are the attackers. Those having fingers pointed at them, those are the targets. And those who are colluding with various forms of enabling the finger pointing dynamic to continue to happen. And then systemic symptoms of triangulation and projection magnet dynamic inside of that is that there is no agreed upon or, or there's an underused mechanism. So there is a, there's either no agreed upon mechanism or there is a mechanism, but it's underused or incompetently used to identify and address triangulation. And there's no agreed upon mechanism or an underused or incompetently used mechanism to identify and address the projection magnet dynamic version of triangulation when that's going on. Uh, Hugh, before I go on to the next form of shadow, what do you have? Well, um, David is coming back with another comment uh, generally on everything you've covered before, but I, I see this happen in organizations so much, David. It's really toxic when you're not spotting what happens with triangles and you and I've talked about the, the act of triangling and you end up with this triangulation, which is, um, if people take this, what you're describing as a power position in it and creating a worse problem than they existed. So David has another, um, comment related to emotional intelligence. Uh, it sounds like a lack of emotional intelligence with regard to communicating with others at a minimum. This is very revealing on the challenging the offender to the group or other individuals as a means of undermining the target. By so, they often end up being the quitter rather than and rather than a than contribute to fixing of the issue. What do you think yes. of that? Yes, uh, that's spot on, David. And the reason that that these premature quitters quit is really because like most of us, 
they haven't ever received training in how to recognize and intervene with these kinds of dynamics in good ways, good, good meaning in ways that restore collaboration. So because we aren't in my judgment, in a culture where people are trained in how to spot and effectively intervene with these dynamics, it's no wonder why we get quitters and ostriches and gossips and complainers, uh, because uh, again, we don't know what we don't know. We have these uh, emotional intelligence deficits. Good. Good. So I'm gonna go on to the Next form of shadow that shadow spotters are watching for, which is culture shadow. And these are unrecognized or unaddressed isms. And there are various kinds of isms. I mean, we all know about the obvious isms like racism and sexism and um, all of those kinds of things, um, ageism, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's also an ism that is the only ism I know of that people have not only not spoken out against, but that that a large number of people continue to vocally justify, unlike a lot of these other isms that most people who are love-based, they recognize the isms exist and they may have their differences in how they address those isms, but they're not in denial that the ism exists, except for this one ism, politicism. Political hatred of perspectives, political perspectives that aren't our own and justifying attacking anyone who doesn't have the political orientation that I have. That ism is the only remaining ism that people actually continue to justify, glorify, and indulge in with no impunity, uh, with utter impunity rather. So organizations have culture shadow too, as, as I'll unpack. Uh, individual symptoms of culture shadow is where we have unconsciousness. We're insufficiently aware of stereotyping that we're due. Stere stereotyping that we do uh, is, is where we don't see an individual. We see um, the group that they're connected with and we pigeonhole them into our preconceptions of what that group is or what that group stands for. That's what stereotyping is. It's, it's, it's the opposite of treating each individual as an individual. And so individually insufficient awareness of stereotyping or of privilege, meaning um, a, unawareness that I have certain privileges, capabilities that, uh, that others don't. So if I am, uh, a leader with a lot of uh, authorized power in an organization, and I'm not aware that there's a power differential in the organization because I have, and I've been given more power than certain under other, un, uh, other individuals, then I'm unaware of the impacts of my privilege. I'm not talking about guilt for being privileged. I'm talking about awareness that I carry privilege uh, and, and, um, awareness that not everyone else has privileges that I have, depending on the role that I've got, the role that I occupy. Um, unawareness of target dynamics, um, where uh, unawareness that people who um, 
are part of groups that that have the fingers pointed pointed at them and the disadvantages that they have. Um, unawareness that many of us carry what's called an internalized oppressor, meaning an internal critic, meaning a part of us that beats us down and shuts us up before anyone else can criticize us. That's an internalized oppressor. Um, and fragility, being easily triggered by the unconsciousness of others around isms, around culture issues. So those are individual culture shadow symptoms. Co-created culture shadow symptoms is tolerating division uh, into privilege groups and target groups. So tolerating the, the continuation of groups that have more rights and more opportunities and more privileges and the deprivation of uh, groups from having certain opportunities that they've earned but aren't receiving. Uh, and not talking about unearned opportunity, I'm talking about earned opportunity that they're deprived of. Uh, and groups that have been turned into caricatures, cliches, where the, the most extreme individuals in that group are, are talked about as though they represent the mainstream of that group. Uh, and that's stereotyping again. So that's, you know, tolerating that divisiveness is co-created culture shadow. And then systemic symptoms of culture shadow in an organization is the refusal to provide wise, mature, not stupid and immature training in recognizing and addressing isms or providing poor training in recognizing and addressing, addressing isms. Uh, and you can always tell where there's poor training in this because the poor training always reinforces people's fragility, entitlement, and resentment. If that's the outcome of, of uh, culture shadow training, then it is psychologically immature culture shadow training. Whoa. So David, you and I have talked, you, the first point here about um, insufficient awareness. You and I have talked over the years about um, um, blind spots, that's the word blind spots and so we come actually the way we respond to things sometimes we we create unintended results by how we respond to things so having a blind spot about shadow is pretty significant for a leader isn't it yes it is it's it's really significant it's really important and where do you know hugh where this stuff is taught to leaders i don't know anywhere other than the programs that i do it is not universally uh, available for people. And what I see is, as you're talking about this, I can go back in history, um, sometimes more recent history, and think about situations where this is happening. And it really creates a lot of indigestion for people. Oh. Yes, you know. So, oh, yeah. And, it, and it, it's so, it's not easy, but it, it's not the right word, but it's so preventable. But you have to work at it and you have to uh, say, I'm going to learn something and open your mind to, okay, maybe I'm a part of the problem because I don't know this stuff. Or maybe I'm jumping into an ismism and contributing to it. Is there an ismism? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hugh, I think you've got a misprint in your, uh, in your link to the... Okay. 
Um, it should just say shadow spotting basics, not shadow spotting basics PDF. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I will recopy that. And so you're getting praises from Jorge. Uh, um, you know, Doris, I'll fix that. And uh, Carol singing your praises, our singing, speaking coach. So uh, um, David says, thank you so much, David. So I'm going to put the correct link in now. So uh, I'll do that. Sure. And thank you, uh, Francis. It is important work. And uh, so many of us are dealing with this right now, which is exactly why I'm doing this mini training. Awesome. Let's go on to the final variety of shadow that I want you to be aware of that, that shadow spotters know how to recognize. And it's institutional shadow. These are policies and procedures that organizations have that actually undermine success, productivity, collaboration, engagement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And other than the most sinister and ill-intended institutions or organizations or businesses or nonprofits, et cetera, et cetera, these policies and procedures that undermine success are not intentionally installed. Yes, they're installed in sinister organizations, but not in well-meaning ones. They're unintendedly uh, harmful or undermining policies and procedures. So individual symptoms of individual shadow, poor or inconsistently applied policies that a leader implements about how people are treated, inconsistent standards that leaders use around salaries and perks and glass ceilings, tolerating glass ceilings. Those are individual symptoms of leaders who are unwittingly perpetuating individual shadow, uh, institutional shadow, shadow individually. Co-created shadow expressions of institutional shadow or co-created symptoms rather of institutional shadow is where we together in our group allow unresolved conflicts, collaboration breaches, and lack of accountability, or we allow decisive, uh, divisiveness or siloing to continue instead of doing effective conflict resolution that restores goodwill, trust, collaboration, productivity, and engagement. And then the organizational symptoms, the systemic symptoms of institutional shadow is where an organization does not regularly up, upgrade their standards, their best practices regarding any of these things and any of these forms of shadow uh, and, and collaboration and conflict resolution and things like that, or having good standards, but not adhering to them consistently or not, or having good standards and trying to adhere to them, but not providing su sufficient training to people so that they can be in integrity with these standards and best practices that avoid these five different varieties of shadow. So that's what I've got in the four, five forms of shadow before I go on to the next section. My, my closing urging, maybe even beseeching <laughs> of you is to master the art of illuminating shadow in ways that help restore love collaboration and purpose effectiveness. And if you lead any kind of organization, 
master the art of building line items into your budget so that your organization can get training in this or so that a designated shadow spot spotter in your organization can get that kind of training. Thank you everybody for, for being here. And thank you, especially uh, Dr. David Gruder for illuminating this really to invisible topic that causes so much grief in so many organizations and we can do something about it. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for recognizing the importance of this kind of topic. And I'm grateful to all of you who have been with us live for having recognized also how important this topic is, how timely it is, and how important it is to take action to elevate our shadow spotting competencies as leaders. To get access to the full workshop, go to shadowworkshop.com. That's shadowworkshop.com. Thank you for listening to The Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>